0: Hit me one time. Ah, yeah. It's Capital City Podcast. I'm your host, Capital J, alongside my main man, D.L. Glass. And we are in the building. Tonight, we got a very special guest, a man I've known for a long, long time. Yeah, and I've already dated myself, you know, by... by (laughs) By explaining how long I know people and and when I first started DJing. Right. But I ain't going to throw Kyle under the bus. He still got the (laughs) young man look. So, I just know him a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, on the podcast, we got a special guest by the name of Kyle Santillian. Indeed. Indeed. You may uh, recognize that name from the syndicated morning show, The Morning Hustle. But... I knew Kyle way back in the day from the Wild Out Wake Up Show. Kyle, say what's up to the people.
1: What up, people? What's happening, man? I'm happy to be here, man, talking to my brothers, man. Shout out to, of course, my man DL and the one and only, you know what I mean, the Kizzy, Kizzy,
2: capital J. Oh, man.
0: That's my, that's my, my. My handle right there, Kizzy, Kizzy, capital J. Okay,
2: okay. Yeah, yeah, that goes back. inside-ish.
0: Nah, hey, come from the mixtape days. Okay. Come from the mixtape days. Okay. Now, just to, first of all, we always like to start in the way back, okay? So, I'm going to give a brief introduction of Kyle Santilli, and then we're going to let him pick up and tell his story. Now, this man is an import. Mm Mm-hmm. In the North Carolina Radio Hall of Fame that I that I just made up right then. <laughs> I created the North Carolina Hip Hop Hall of Fame, the North Carolina Radio Hall of Fame. Okay. And at Winston-Salem State, they have an awesome communications department. And they put out a lot of talent. And this man is the product of a quality program. And... He, like a lot of others, started off at 102 Jams in Greensboro where I was working. And I got to know this man. And I found out that we had a lot in common. He started off spinning on the turntables. He rapped. He did everything hip-hop related. And I said, hey, I like this guy. This is one cool cat. We worked together on weekends. We did a nighttime show during the week. Um, I would come in and mix when Kyle was on there in the evenings at 102 Jams. What was the name of that show? Was that it was the Wild Out too or
1: Yeah, we called it the Wild Out. The Wild Out,
0: yeah. right. And yeah. then he went to Morning Radio first. Okay. And followed by me and later on B dot. Mhm. And but that's not where the story ends. So, first of all, Kyle, tell us where you're from and how you got interested in music.
1: Yeah, man, appreciate that. Um, so I'm born in West Philadelphia.
0: Um, and West Philadelphia. Born and raised.
1: <laughs> not raised, though, not raised. That's what switches up for me. So, like, I was born in West Philly, um, and I spent some of my young years there, and by the time I guess you could say I was in second grade, we moved out of the city uh, into Franklinville, New Jersey. Now, Franklinville, New Jersey, although you cross the state line, is still considered part of the Philadelphia tri-state area. So, um, you know, we had the benefit, I'll, I'll say the benefit, of having access to the city, um, but we didn't live in the city. It's about a 25-minute drive, if you want to count the time. Like So, uh, born in West Philadelphia, raised in Franklinville, New Jersey, still in that Philadelphia tri-state area. Uh, man, long story short, ended up going to Winston-Salem State University, like you mentioned. Uh, from there, transitioning to 102 jams where we met, uh, did a total of 15 years at jams, total of 15 years of jams. Uh, then when my jams run ended, I landed in Chicago and I did eight years in Chicago as part of the WGCI morning show. And just re- just recently this year, uh, early 2023, uh, became part of the morning hustle syndicated show. Uh, which has me working out of Atlanta,
0: although the morning show is on in about twenty five cities. Oh yeah, yeah. It, they um they syndicate that show right here in Raleigh too. Yes, sir. K
1: ninety seven five. Yeah. And also talking uh, North Carolina, also in Charlotte on 102.5 the block.
0: Oh, nice, nice. Wow. So I got I got a couple of questions. Now I know you for a long time. I don't think I ever sat down and asked you. How did you figure out that you wanted to go to Winston Salem State? Like, being up there, what brought you to North Carolina?
1: So I gave you the I gave you the condensed version early, in that little rundown, right? But the longer version of the story is someone out of high school, like, I really didn't apply myself in high school at all, right? And I know that to be a fact. Like, I would always do well. You know how you take those placement tests, and they, you know, they put you in classes based on how well you're doing the placement test. Mm-hmm. So I would place well, I would place like honors classes, honors English, all of that kind of stuff. But I would get in these classes and I would not do my work and didn't want to be there, half assed so I would kinda of like barely pass just on my effort, you know what I mean? Right. So by the time I graduated when you know, my friends were going to schools like Rutgers University or um, had some friends that went to the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, schools like that, I ended up just staying home and going to community college in New Jersey. I went to Gloucester County College. And what's crazy is, right, I started kind of DJing in, in high school. So when I was staying home and I was going to a community college, even when I go to the community college, they had like a little DJ booth, right? It was like a little closed caption radio station. Yeah, you I could DJ in a DJ booth and you wouldn't hear it nowhere but in the student union. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right, right. That's so, dope.
1: So I would... I would end up doing shit like that and not going to class, like still not, you know, focusing on work. And, uh, you know, some days me and my homie were like, you feel like going to class or that? I'd be like, nah, I don't feel like going. So we find ourselves, you know, hanging out downtown Philly, going to record shops, buying records, because like I said, I was DJing at the time just on some neighborhood stuff. And I would just do a lot of like, I was more interested in, in DJing and music than I was going to class. So long story short. After three semesters at community college, I get put on academic probation, right?
0: <laughs> at community college. At community college. Okay, Kevin Hart. <laughs> yeah, you feel me, right?
1: Exactly. So I'm like, damn, like who the hell gets put on uh, academic probation from community college? Like you really ain't doing shit. You feel me?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I also had asthma. So one time I had an asthma uh, I had an uh, asthma thing, so I was in the hospital for like. I don't know, five, six days, kind of recovering from this little asthma attack or whatever. So here's how I got to North Carolina. So at the time, my uncle, one of my father's brothers, he was living in Winston because my aunt, his wife, uh, she was in medical school at Wake Forest. Mm. Now, my you know, he grew he's from Philadelphia as well. But at the time, like I said, he's living in Winston. And, um, you know, he knows I'm I'm messing up in school and not really doing what I'm supposed to be doing, community college and all of that. He's like, man, you need to get your shit together, man. Come come down here, you know, come down here and just get yourself together. And I was like, yeah, right, I ain't moving down south. You got it. I'm cool. <laughs> you know what I'm mean? saying? <laughs> I was on that, you know what I mean, for a minute. Right. Um, And then, long story short, man, we did a visit. We, Me and my cousins, we did a visit. We drove from Philly to South Carolina, and on the way back to Philly, we came to North Carolina, stopped in Winston, and before we came all the way back to, like, Philly and Jersey. And when I was there, uh, my uncle and my aunt, they both kind of talked to me, told me the same thing. And I was still like, no, I'm not moving down here. And then what happened was, when I got back home, and I'm like, damn, I'm like, I'm still living in my parents' crib, I'm working at this store, like, making people sandwiches for a living. I was like, I think I'll take them up on that offer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good so, now.
1: Yeah, once I got back home, I'm like, yeah, this ain't it. I might as well go ahead and do that because it's better than this. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, so I took him up on an offer. I came down to, to Winston. I was staying with him. Um, and mind you, I had messed up even community college so much. I still had to start over, like, community college. So I ended up uh, going to Forsyth Tech Community College in Winston. And then the plan was I was going to apply to A&T, and I was going to apply to Winston-Salem State because they were the two HBCUs. So I applied to both of them. I got accepted to both of them. But because of my academic history, A&T said, You're, we're going to accept you, but we'll accept you under academic probation. And because I was being accepted under academic probation, I was ineligible for financial aid. Oh, wow. And that's
2: and a know, no Winston, starter.
1: Yeah, right. And Winston was just like, yeah, we accept you. <clears throat> I was like, well, I guess I'm going to Winston because I can't get no money to go to a and
0: Wow. Hey, hey,
1: that
0: sounds like my, well, part of that is similar. That's how I ended up at UNCG. Yeah. A&T taking too long with the financial aid. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had a room and everything, but I was like, man, they hadn't told me how much money I'm going to get yet. Right. UNCG had the paperwork all done. You know, I said, well, I guess we hit it. That happened with
1: my daughter, too. That's why my daughter didn't go to, my oldest daughter, that's why she didn't go to Howard. She ended up staying in Chicago going to college because Howard was taking too long with the correspondence, but she was already straight with the other school.
0: right wow yep well,
1: that's one of them things we'll be having to work
0: through HBCUs there. hey aren't you aren't you glad you did though yeah for sure
1: yeah. absolutely
0: indeed now
1: absolutely.
0: now during this time that I've known you I haven't just known you to be a a radio personality I know you as a rapper too yeah so well um at what point did you pick up the pen?
1: Probably that same time period when I was, I, I think I probably started DJing like just on some, in my basement in my neighborhood, probably like my senior year of high school. So probably around that same time, you know what I mean? Maybe coming right out of high school, uh, started rapping. But there was, you know, I was part of, It was really my homie. I was part of a group, but my homie um, that I went to high school with, he was kind of like – he was really, really super nice. Mm -hmm. So I was just trying to, you know, just trying to get in where I fit in, but he was kind of super nice. But I would say I started writing probably like, yeah, senior year of high school, coming out of high school.
0: That's what's up. Well, I'm going to give a shout-out to the Five Foot Mixtape. Yeah. (laughs) The the
1: Mixtape. We got Cap Day on there going crazy.
0: Yes, indeed.
3: <laughs> yes,
0: indeed. That was good stuff, man. Good work. Yeah. Now,
3: appreciate it.
0: Okay, so so you you move down here now. I've I've often looked at you as a person who is often dealing with culture shock. <laughs> I okay. mean, you yeah. know, like like a a dude from from I'm doing my air quotes from the city, right. Who was yeah. down here, I could see a lot of times, especially when we were working together, it'd be something happen that is so exclusively country. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> I look over at Kyle sometimes and he's just like, What in the hell? What in the Jim Crow is going on? Right, now? right. right. <laughs> and um so so tell me about about how it is as a, a northerner being here, especially on the hip-hop scene, you know, because I, like, I know you got experience with that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, nah, it's, it's kind of interesting, man, Cap, because honestly, remember, like I said, you know, us moving out of Philly into Franklinville, New Jersey, uh, Franklinville, New Jersey is rural, right, right? right? So although although I was up north, although there was a northeast, although it was all of that influence, uh, you know, my everyday environment, for the most part, you know, it was rural, you know, unless we drove into the city, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is that even though I grew up in a, I guess my immediate environment was rural, it wasn't Southern. And sometimes I think the Southern culture, I'll put it this way, Winston-Salem and Greensboro per se are more city than Franklinville, New Jersey, which was a country, was a country town. Right. So it's kind of like, it's almost like juxtaposed, like, I was in a small town outside of a big city. Then I moved into uh, a, a smaller, big city in the big, country. Uh, yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Like It's kind of crazy, but it really just showed me like it wasn't really whether or not you were in the city or you were in the country. It was just a difference in culture, you know, whether it's you were from the north or the south. You know what I'm saying? So that's really where uh, some of those things came into play. But. I mean, it's cool. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, I think it was a great thing for me because, you know, I think everybody at some point should move from wherever they're from and live in other places and kind of like, you realize that although people have different customs, you know, different ways they do things, we're all way more alike than we're different.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and... Because
1: even uh, with that being said, like, when I left North Carolina and went to Chicago, it's kind of like, all right, Chicago has its own thing, but, you know, if you're black, you're going to get along with most of the shit we do, regardless. You know what I'm saying?
2: Right, right. That's why I was telling Cap. Uh, I used to live in Chicago, and I consider Chicago a big ass southern city in the north.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. For me, it was, I always said, like, Chicago as a city, for me, culturally feels somewhere between Philadelphia and, and, and the south.
3: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Somewhere between that northeast. <laughs> And that Southern thing, like you have everything that you have in the Northeast and you have, you know, some of the pace, the pace is kind of somewhere between the two, but you know, it's not as aggressive, but you know, it's more aggressive than down South, but maybe not like in New York, you know?
0: Right. 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 Now, before, before we move like farther into the story, I want to talk about this time period that we both lived through. And it was that time period when, the South started taking over the music scene, yeah. and for people who who grew up spoon fed on good old fashioned northern hip hop,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it was a tough time. Right. <laughs> it, you, you 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 feel me, right? You know I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not Yeah, yeah. It was it was a tough time because there was a, an absolute readjustment. Yeah, it was. And working on the morning show. Was when, like, you know, I'd already, like, on the mix show, I had embraced that certain songs are just, like, too, too strong to be ignored. Right. Yeah. But they weren't everyday songs yet. Mm-hmm. So, like, the beginning of the Southern Takeover, I say, started, you know, when Masterpiece started getting hot. But when I bring about it, it to the mix show, it's not necessarily on the radio 24 hours a day. Right. 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 But there comes a time, though, when when it ain't my fault. By the time that drops, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. on all the time. Right. Yeah. And now, you know, 50 Cent is up against mm-hmm. the Lil' Johns and all of this stuff. Right. And um, that that period of time was an adjustment period. And working with Kyle – I could see that out of all of us in the room, like it says me, Kyle, F, and B. Mhm. Kyle's northern, B dot is all the way about the south. Mhm. I grew right. up on all of it. Right. You see, so I'm the liaison mm-hmm. between people who enjoy both styles. But Kyle right. would be on one end, like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this," and <laughs> Dodd is on the other side, like, "Man, you crazy! Right. You crazy! Right. Jeezy, right. Jeezy is the man, Young Jock, that's the." And and we and you know and I could look Kyle i I be looking at Kyle the side of my eye like, man, he just don't know nothing about Biggie and Nas, <laughs>
1: Right, right.
0: So, so as a as a northerner, being surrounded by this watching this music take over, how did you how did you feel during that time period? We're gonna move on to something else, but I I just wanted to pick your brain for a second because, mm. you know, we talk to people about about music all the time. And you're yeah. one of the few people that that happened to be in the South while this transition is happening. But you yeah. came up. You know, I, you
1: know, at the time, um I felt like uh it was kinda like the music was losing its principles
3: Hmm. that's
1: literally how i felt i felt like the music was losing its principles because and let me say this too i never and i i never really um looked at hey i like northern hip-hop or hey i like new york hip-hop or hey i like east coast hip-hop i never viewed it that way
0: it was a certain standard
1: yeah it was just a standard for hip-hop period you know what i'm saying like you know, I just—I was never like, I, did, I never liked things in my opinion, at least in my opinion. I didn't like things based on where people were from. I like I artists and the music based on the principles and the standards in which they made music. You know what I mean? And I'll say this for example. Like, I like Nas the same way I like Outkast, the same way I like Scarface, who was from Houston. You know, the same way I like Snoop and Dre, who was from L.A., the same way I like... Um, the hieroglyphics, who were from the Bay Area, you know what I'm saying. The same way I like Common, who was from Chicago. Like all of these people from different regions, but they upheld, at least in my mind, what I thought I thought the standard of hip hop should be. The right? original,
0: the original standards.
1: Exactly. So that's why I never, I never, I used to hate when people would say, "Oh, you only like it because." you know, it's it's East Coast or it's, it's, you know, Northern hip-hop and all that shit. I'm like, nah, I like niggas from everywhere as long as they hip-hop. You see what I'm saying?
0: Right, right. I can vouch for that. Yeah, Yeah, so
1: that that being said, I always hated that argument. Um, But it wasn't, it it, it took me to kind of move around to realize that's how people in other regions view the hip-hop that they like. They, They labeled it as oh, that's East Coast hip-hop or New York hip-hop or whatever the case may be. But growing up in that region, we didn't, I didn't, me and my people didn't look at it like that. Right, just like hip-hop. You know right. what I'm saying? So to get back to your point about the transition, um, some of those same principles that I just mentioned that were upheld by the artists that I mentioned, I felt like, that was being lost like if we're being honest like you might have turned up to master p but we know we all know master p can't rap like let's be honest like you know what i'm saying
0: we We all know that we had we we've had this conversation on the podcast before and i always credit master p with the beginning (laughs) of the end of standards yes like, yes. there, there were no there were no engineering <laughs> standards. There was no. Um, just put it out. Yeah, just put it out. Just put, put it out. That. When I heard Silk the Shocker, I was like, okay, they just, just don't give a damn. Like, nobody said um,
1: <laughs> I know, mean, that. Too, that would drive me crazy, bro. Like, and to be honest, like, I remember being on campus at Winston-Salem State where maybe Rap City or UMTB Raps or something came on. And, uh, I think Ice Cream Man, Master P Ice Cream Man came on. And, yeah, bro, we started laughing at stuff like that. Like, ah, look at this. Like, this is hilarious. Why would they even put this on TV? Right. And then, boom, 10 years later, look who Master P is,
0: you know? Absolutely. Right. But, you know, you know something Um, like to, like I said, I'm the liaison between, between those styles, and I often equate Music that doesn't follow your traditional standards to reggae. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Hmm. Okay. Like somebody say, hey, man, listen to what he's saying. He ain't talking about nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's one common argument. You know, they ain't talking about nothing and they, they're not really. But sometimes it's just a vibe. Right. Right. And I say, well, if you can listen to reggae and you don't know what they're talking about and you still like the song, <laughs> think of a song you don't like as a reggae song, is it still bumping? Right. Is it making people move? Is it catchy? Kind of dope. You don't really, you know, what's the difference in and, and it's the same thing. The music, no, you I know, think I, that's what it became. It became more. It became more mood, mood music.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: energy music, you know what I'm saying, rather than lyrics. And I, to be honest, like, I know I'll say, yeah, you probably did start with Master P, but I'll take it a step further, bro, and I'll say that Diddy kind of created some of that shit, too. Diddy?
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, because when he, cause one, one line that he always famously said that really angered me at the time was, don't worry if I write rhymes, I write checks. Bro, I'm worried oh. if you write rhymes.
0: I'm really worried about. <laughs> That's what now, now, now on on previous podcasts, the same way that I gave Master P his credit for 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 opening the door for anybody,
2: I was wondering if you were gonna. Say I give
0: was. Puffy. I always credit Puffy with taking the grit out of hip hop. Hip hop mm-hmm. used to be hard and gritty and edgy. Yes, and and. It's like Puff Daddy came through with a nail file and filed all the rough edges off of hip hop. Right. Yeah. And and it was a little bit too much for me. Hmm.
1: Yes, I agree. I, I I think we're on the same page in terms of how we saw this play out because I even take – now, mind you, like it's 2023 now, and we're, I know Puffy's going through what he's going through right now, but – from a business perspective, I always look back on him and say, all right, man, well shit, as a businessman, like he did what he did. But if we're talking about my mindset during the time that these changes are happening. Um, I always thought like, in my opinion, Diddy was the second coming of MC Hammer. Like as much as we despised MC Hammer, like we were, I was despising Diddy.
2: Right.
0: Uh, right. Right. The absolute the commercialization. Reason. Yes. Absolute commercialization.
2: Reason. So you agree yes. with cap that, um, Diddy kind of killed hip hop. (laughs) I think. I mean, not not initially, not initially.
1: But I think it was. It might have been, you know, the second or third nail in the coffin.
0: Yeah, somewhere along the line, man. And then when when the white party started happening, the grown and sexy era that I was, I was appalled. Mm -hmm. Because you know, know,
1: because you know what, you got to go back to the mentality of hip hop prior, like it hip-hop was always the rebel music. Hip-hop was, you know, they don't rock with us on the radio. We don't care. We, we, You know what I mean? We're not changing. We're, right.
0: You put on them hard-bottom you know, shoes to go to the R&B club. Right. And all yeah, of a sudden, go you got to be dressed yeah. up and and I don't get it. That's not hip-hop. Right.
2: Right.
1: right. You know what I'm saying? So like when, so when all of the, the artists prior to that were like, yo, we're trying to keep a certain standard for hip-hop and certain artists were trying to commercialize it that's why mc hammer you know like i said about hammer like people didn't appreciate that it's like no nah, man that's not what we doing over here if you want that go over there like but we trying to keep this on some, you know and i don't, I don't be a street shit awesome like you got to be a gangster but we're trying to keep it street in terms of like our perspective like get that out of here
0: but you know the funny thing about hammer though is that I think a lot of uh, I think Hammer Street was lost on us being from the East Coast, and there's one thing we do share, North and South, is that we're East Coast. Okay. And Hammer was Street, as they come.
2: Yeah, but we're talking
1: about musically, though. Right? I mean, I mean, even
0: heard. even musically, like like um, like I was exposed to a lot more Hammer than a lot of people. Like sometimes people just only know. The stuff that that came on the radio, mm-hmm. you listen okay. to it like like Hammer had a song on his first album called Go Go MC Hammer. Man, right. that was one of the hardest joints, right?
2: Ever, right?
0: At that time, mm-hmm. you right. put it on, you put it in your in your Jeep, in your Suzuki Samurai, mm-hmm. and put the tape <laughs> in, and I mean it, it rocked, it rocked hard as anything Run DMC ever made, and all that stuff. But I think, you know, those songs, unless you were on the West Coast listening to whole Hammer albums, you missed all of that. It didn't resonate
2: over there. Right.
0: And he just happened he happened to stumble onto a formula Mm -hmm. that people were digging. But at his root, MC Hammer was very, very hip hop. Like at his stage show, he got two live DJs spinning. Mm-hmm. You know, and he brought the whole hood with him. Right, this dude, this dude owned the club back in the day. Right, I mean, you know, I don't mean like literally owned the club. I'm talking Emotion about Hammer spinning. Yeah, Hammer was that. Hammer was that dude, man. And 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 he just happened to be able to do both. But I think Hammer had some some real hip hop in him. The same way, and well, it's, you know it's what, the though? same I, way with I, Puffy I, too. To be
1: honest, you, even to go along with what you're saying, okay, I even think that. It, you know, at least from my perspective, what I remember, it was really the second album that pushed him into that commercial space where niggas was like, nah, I'm cool now. Because uh the song, I know he had the group, but the song Oak Three Five Seven, I remember you know, that was cool. Uh Turn This Mother Out, it was like, all right, I mean it ain't too
0: crazy, it was alright. Yeah, Turn His Mother but, Out was kinda dope when he dropped them he dropped them traditional, traditional hip hop breakbeat. Yeah. And he killed it.
1: Mm-hmm. He even, he he did, even sprinkled some like,
0: diss but, in there From Ryan DMC I don't care where you from I make Moose look silly No look dumb
1: <laughs> 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 But 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 you know We still looked at him like Alright well he still can't really rap And then When he did Can't touch this It was like Alright he was like The first time he to
0: yeah, yeah, can't touch this. Was yeah, there's you know the term jumping the shark. He started jumping the shark. You know? I hated that so. <laughs> yeah, man, that was that was bad news. Yeah. but yeah. but you know, I I recently did a hammer mix, and I was like, I was listening to it. I said, you know what? For all the complaining we did about MC Hammer back in the day,
2: mm-hmm.
0: he was fundamentally sound.
2: Okay. You know, you talk about you talk
0: about the, you know the standards when you when you go back and listen in retrospect. Hammer was fundamentally sound. Hmm.
1: But you have to but you can't just listen isolate it, right? You have to listen to it
0: in its context in the at the time.
1: At that time, right? So we're talking like, you know, Turner's mother out, or no, not. Uh, we're talking about uh Can't Touch This. What was that? What year was that? Ninety-one, ninety-two.
0: Can't touch this was like that was like 89, 90, 90? 90?
1: early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got to, you know, that goes up against the landscape of maybe the first Tribe Called Quest album, Public Enemy,
0: Daylight Souls happening. De
1: La Soul, N.W.A. Kind of is movie. out. Yeah. Right. When you listening to all of that, and then you know, Big Daddy Kane, and then Hammer, and it's like, all right, nah, we cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He caught caught his flack. He caught his flack. Hey,
2: (laughs) since we were talking about the the change and we had um, your old program director, Brian Douglas, on the um, show. um, Yeah. How how was that? Like, the music that, because I always tell Cap J and anybody else, 102 Jams played the almost explicit version of music. Like, if you want to hit a real version, you listen to 102 Jams. <laughs> yeah. And um, Brian Douglas, I, I was amazed to find out that this was a white guy from, where's he from, Florida or somewhere? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, Florida. Yeah, that was pro the program director during this time. Like, how was that? Like, I don't know at which point you met Brian, but working for this white guy and being able to have the creative freedom to basically play anything that you wanted, how was that? And how how was your introduction to Brian? Uh,
1: I don't remember the day that I met him, but I came into the radio station as an intern through the promotions department. Okay. Uh, through a guy that who, who worked there named Joey at the time. Um. Uh, so I guess I probably you know obviously being in the building and meetings and stuff like that you know got to know Brian or whatever. Um. But, I mean, you know, the music and stuff like that, I'm going to be honest, man, there was times where I thought we kind of went too far. You know what I mean?
2: Right. Yeah, Uh, me too.
1: One (laughs) one song in particular I had a back and forth with Brian about was, and now it don't sound like nothing, was uh, Look Back at It, Trina. I told
0: you. I told you. (laughs) That's that's the song that DL brought up to me that time. He said, man,
2: I told you.
0: How (laughs) y'all play that? Did you have that dialogue on the sh- on the radio? No,
1: yeah, wait. I had a debate I had a I was I went back and forth with Brian about that song, like in his office, and I was like, "Why are we playing this on the morning show? Like, it's it's too much in the morning." I thought I thought it was too much.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and I kind of got in trouble. <laughs> I can tell y'all this now. I kind of got in trouble one time because the song would come up, you know, because all the songs are kind of like, you know you you see the log or whatever to play songs. <laughs> and I got in trouble one time because every time the song came up, I just skipped it. <laughs> <laughs> I was skipp- <laughs> I was skipping it for like weeks, you know. And mm. I probably got in trouble for skipping it. But
0: uh, right, we come up in the era where there was a thing called day and you would day part right? music based on 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 your audience, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, you know. Radio split up. Like, morning radio is basically 6 to 10. Then you have your 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 lunchtime people is 10 to 2. You have your afternoon guy, 2 to 6 or 7. Then you have your nighttime people. Right. And traditionally in radio, nighttime is where you hear the most edgy stuff. hmm Right. And all of a sudden, there was no more day parting going on. It's just right, like right straight to the filth. Right. First thing in the morning, kids <laughs> the on the film. way to school. You know? mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, But I mean, it's like I said, it was cool on one end. One thing I didn't really realize uh, because I guess we were in it in Greensboro and at 102 Jams was my sister told me um, she used to like coming to visit me in Greensboro and listening to 102 Jams because she always heard A version of a song that she never heard played anywhere else.
2: Right, I've been saying that the whole time, Cal. (laughs) Hey,
1: yeah, and I was like, and I didn't realize that. I thought whatever we played, everybody was playing. No, I even think back now, how many times I'm somewhere else and I hear, I'll hear uh, somebody might throw back Chris Brown, run it,
3: Hmm.
1: and I'm like, I'm like, well, where's Joel Santana's verse? Like, we always played it with Joel Santana (laughs) verse, right, (laughs) (laughs) right. So now I realize, like, other people weren't doing that.
0: Yeah, and beyond that, we also, um, like, if the radio edit was too clean, <laughs> I, I, listen to what I'm telling you. If it's too clean, there were certain words that, that were okay at 102 Jams. Right. Like, ass, right. bitch. Mm-hmm. You could get away with I those. I
1: probably remember hearing bitch too off the Oh, yeah, good. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, bitch. Bitch could bitch was okay. Yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. as a mix show, dude, you know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, the mix
1: show, the mix show maybe.
0: Like it was, um, so you trying cut to cut these words out. I'm trying to think of you,
2: you want to cut these words
0: out. I don't know, man. Ass <laughs> ass and bitch. You know they've been been around so long, but 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 we would get away with like like juvenile. It was back that thing up everywhere else. That ass up on It's Back that ass up on one or two jams,
2: right? And I it was still that, the though, rest of I- it
0: was still clean though,
2: right? I will say
1: this, though. I didn't... I, that, that was another... When you talk about culture shock. When I when I left Greensboro and went to Chicago, there was a certain thing there. I was like, oh. I was like, it's it's more conservative here.
3: Mm-hmm. And I was
1: like, maybe the city wasn't more conservative, but I, I guess we were just so pushing the envelope as a radio station that it felt conservative when I got there. You know what
0: I mean? Mm-hmm. Wow. So... So, moving on past the music, here's another thing about um, radio. I'm going to tell you one thing about Kyle Santillian. Anybody wants to get in radio, and you see he just told you everything he's done. This man knows how to do everything at the station.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a fact.
0: I mean, really, he came, in, he came in on promotions. Okay. You learn how to operate the entire production room. Okay. Yeah. He can cut your promo, make a commercial, mm-hmm. um, edit an interview, go into the station, operate the entire board, make sure everything runs on time. And, you know, I don't know if I ever told you, man, but everybody can't do that. And you were one of the best edit that I ever worked with.
1: I appreciate
2: that. Yeah, that. yeah,
0: just an absolute monster on everything radio related. Where did that it's come funny. from,
2: Cal? Like like what what because I always ask that question, at which moment did you realize that this was it or you had it?
1: I don't know. I don't think I ever looked at it that way to be honest with you. Um in terms of learning all the stuff, I think number 1 I think uh, just growing up with my father being who he was, I kind of, and, and just growing up, like, you know, coming up and being a neighborhood DJ. and I think all of us have that little technical part of us. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how it is, Cap. like you probably can take apart a turntable table and put it back together. and You right. know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't know how much technology you're into DL, but there's a certain, there's a certain, um, a curiosity when it comes to technology mm-hmm. that I think has always been there. Right. So, it, it applied, whether it was, you know, DJing um, and, and messing with turntables or records and mixers and then getting into the production room and trying to learn, oh, okay, well, how does this work and that works? Like, it's all computers, even computers. Like, you know, even back in my crib when I was coming up, we always had, like, a computer whether it was a Texas Instruments, Commodore 64, or, you know, an Atari or Nintendo, all of those kind of things. I think just being technically... Uh, savvy, but that kind of stuff kind of translates to once you get into the radio station and now you're trying to operate that equipment, right? Right. So so that's one thing. But the other part about it was, I think, you know, prior to me coming to North Carolina and coming to Winston-Salem State and even eventually to, to one of the jams, it was kind of like, when I walked in that building as an intern, I remember feeling like, oh yeah, this is it. I ain't going nowhere. Like, this is it. So, whatever I got to do to stick around. So I, I knew like as an intern, I had to do my, my duties as in the promotional department, but I knew that I wanted to learn everything possible. So at the time, uh, Uzi D was the production director. I would start asking him if he needed help in the production room and you know what I mean? Um, with commercials or using my voice or stuff and learning how to stuff worked in there. um, Driving the van and setting up for remote, where we would do live broadcasts out on the street with the truck, and you know setting up that equipment, I always was infatuated with the equipment. And then even in the production, I mean even in the main studio, uh, at the time, Kendall B. When I got there, Kendall B. was going night.
0: Kick, 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 K- kick, kick, Kendall B.
1: Kendall B. Yo, I used to harass <laughs> him like, yo, I want to learn the board. I want to learn the board. I want to learn the board. And I would keep consistently asking him. And so I guess he finally was like, okay, this guy's serious. And he used to be on the air from seven to midnight. So one day he was like, all right, well, you can come and run the last hour of my show. And that's how I started learning the board, like running the last hour of Kendall B's show. And I just thought, I don't know, I just felt like once I was in the building, I, I kind of wanted to make myself <clears throat> useful and learn everything I possibly could. Um, and I think that's, you know, all of those kind of things led up to, you know, what Kat was saying about being able to kind of operate. Regardless of what the task was, if it was in the studio. I could do it.
0: Yeah, during that time that I was working, that we worked together on the morning show, I learned more about how to run stuff than I did the whole other rest of the time that I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you yeah. know, right? Yeah, because at the Wild Cow's, like, hey man, we're gonna, um, you know, like if we want to do a skit or something, mm-hmm. I sit right. there and watch cows, like. Hey man, I could do that. Show me how, you know. Right. And he just <laughs> right. walk walk me through the pro. Uh, what, what we using uh, Adobe. Um, Adobe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he just walked me through it, and I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I'd be doing the same thing to Kyle. I'm like, yo, man, like think about this the whole time that I'm, DJing. I've all there's always been somebody on the other side on the board. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm in there with Kyle. I'm like, yo, man, show me, show me, show me this, show me that. Right. So yeah. I I learned more working with Kyle than I did the entire time that I was there. hmm You know, outside of what knowledge I brought in when I came. Hmm. So Yeah, that's that's good, man. I think <laughs> we gotta do it. We gotta
1: show each other. And it's also, oh, even like with the Adobe stuff too, I think part of it too is like, um, you know, me you mentioned earlier about um, you know, me rapping and stuff like that. And, you know, there was the old whole time period of the movie. I like I really loved the studio like, recording studio environment. So even with like the program you mentioned, the Adobe audition program, and I'm like, oh, we can record on separate tracks. Now for, feel like I'm in the ra- in the studio, like a rapper again. It it's like all of this stuff is connected. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, so you know, I've just always been kind of infatuated with all of that.
0: Right. Well, it, it's um, I think uh, you know we try to have a an educational vibe in here too, teaching people what right. you need to do. And, you know, if anybody's learned anything already, he just told you mm-hmm. he came in and he learned everything he needed to know. Like, Kyle was yeah. somebody that could be used anywhere you needed a person. Right. Yeah. He had this, like, okay, I need somebody to, to um, run this shift. Okay, he's he's on the microphone. Mm-hmm. I need somebody to cut yeah. the commercial. He can cut the commercial. he mm-hmm. need somebody to do the promo. He can do the promo. Like, And making yourself valuable, that's where it starts. First thing you need to do is learn everything you need to know so that you can be used Mm -hmm. when the time comes. Right. Anywhere. Right.
2: And
1: another thing too, Cap, like, um, I don't know if I ever told you this too. Like, the other part is initiative too, right? So, like, I remember that same summer I was an intern. um, You know, most people get radio jobs when they have an air check you know what i mean which is basically like a little sample of what they sound like on the radio and you can take that and shop it around and say hey here's what i sound like here's my air check or whatever but as an intern there never having worked at any other radio station, i went into the production room and made my own fake air check to give to brian douglas because i wanted to be on the radio right so Dope. at the time we used to have like the claps that we used to follow in the studio mm-hmm. and i took I took the clock out of the studio. I took like one hour of the music log and I went into the production room and pretend, pretended like I did a radio show for an hour and it took that to Brian. Like, yeah, hey, I want to be on the air.
0: You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm.
0: That's and that's kind of
1: like even having an opportunity to be on the radio in the first place.
0: That's dope. Oh, that's wow. dope. Yeah. Right. Now, now there's this saying in radio They say you're not in radio till you've been fired. <laughs> and why did that there, cap go, man? There, why did he a, let him go? Oh, I I, <laughs> I still have no idea, but hey, that, that time comes for everybody at, at any given station. It's not, you know, it's not exclusive. Anybody in radio, if, you, if your time came up, you're just like everybody else. Your time will come up mm. somewhere. Right. So yeah. tell me. And, you know, a lot of times you don't plan on these things. So tell me about the transition. Okay, Jams is over. How do you go about finding your next job? How do you end up in Chicago?
1: So I started looking for my next job before Jams let me go because I saw the writing on the wall.
0: Oh, you could smell it coming?
1: <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> what was that? Yes, sir.
0: What
2: was that? He worked at Facebook. what was that so yeah so when
1: you work in a place for 14 15 years you kind of know when hey this feels different or whatever like you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and for me you know i just felt like uh going into my last i'll say going into my last nine months i kind of knew i felt like it because I felt like even when I said or voiced certain things, it wasn't being heard. Or, you know what I'm saying, I might mention this or that. Or, you know what I mean, normal conversations I might have with with Brian or whatever, like those things weren't happening anymore. Or, you know what I mean, input wasn't being...
0: Right, you feel like people trying to make it easy for themselves to to let you go by, you, you felt the distance.
1: Yeah, I felt the distance. That's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. I felt the distance that was never there before. Right. And I knew that, you know, they kind of looked at me as like, all right, he's, he's getting older now, so to speak, in terms of that 102 Jam's audience. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, as we got into January of 2014, I knew I had six months left on my contract. And I was like, let me start trying to figure out something now. Uh, so what I started doing, man, I, I, again, we're talking about air checks a second ago. I started sending my air checks everywhere across the country. Okay. I um, I um, shit. I started sending my air everywhere across the country, and I started calling people that I knew. Uh, let's say I'm gonna say maybe like that April. I clean all myself out the office because I already seen people get walked up out of there and they can't even get their stuff. You know, I've seen all that happen before. Like my stuff <laughs> was out the office. My son was out of the office by April, dog. I already knew what
2: it was going to be. Right, wow.
1: Um, so I, what I did was I made a list of every hip-hop station in the country. Uh, I got a, uh, the program director's name, phone number, email address, and I was just sending stuff out. Emails, everything, whatever, right? Not necessarily getting responses right away, but I, that's what I was already on it. I was proactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody knows I ended up in Chicago. I had sent my air check to Chicago that April. Now, mind you, I'm not saying, like, oh, such and such has a job opening. I'm not waiting for job openings. I'm setting myself blind. Like, I don't know if they got a job opening or not. I didn't need people to know me. You know what I'm saying? Right. <clears throat> uh, so I had sent my air check to Chicago that that April, I want to say it was. I ended up getting let go that June. It was, like, two weeks before Super Jam. Uh, and then I was unemployed from, you know, July – through the end of the year. So a couple of things was happening. Uh, with me sending my stuff out and making the contact that I was making, I was talking to people. The first thing I got offered was a part-time, maybe one show a week in New York on WBLS. Okay. And I, I was like, I can't do one show a week in New York and my family's in North Carolina. There's no way I could pay my bills with that. So I didn't even really consider it. Uh, the company that I work for now Radio 1 uh, at the time uh, when I was looking for something there was a couple of things in play because it's all the same company they flew me to Cleveland I auditioned on the air for a weekend in Cleveland Ohio but then also I was doing some weekends here and there in Raleigh because it's all the same company right Right. at the time the boom stations were popping up Radio 1 had all these boom stations so even though I was doing these airships in Raleigh I was hoping it was going to land me on the boom station in Philadelphia, so I had that going to play. <laughs> uh, I also, they, I got flown out to Kansas City, and uh, you know there was a there was opportunity there for me to go to Kansas City. In the mix of all of that, yeah, there's so much going on at that time period. Also, right out, I guess within the month after I got fired, was also the BT award. So I had already made plans to go to the BET Awards, so they have the radio role at the BET Awards, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Here's what I kind of felt like something was going to good was going to happen because I'm at the BET Awards, and everybody in the BET Awards is like, yo, your air check is like the hottest thing going right now. Like, everybody's talking about my air check.
0: Ah, so you made some noise perfect. in the industry.
1: Yeah. I was like, word, y'all heard y'all know? Because, you know, I didn't know who, who knew I was sending my shit out, but I was sending my shit out. You know what I'm saying? So I was getting, like, positive feedback at the BEC Awards. Uh, boom. Somewhere in that mix, I got an email back from Chicago, like, maybe six months after I sent the email. And uh, he was like, hey, uh, I was just going back through my emails, and I saw you had sent me something back in, uh, like, April. I, he was like, I like how it sounds. Do you have anything else you can send me? Luckily, I had been on those airships at K-97 or Raleigh, Right. Right. So with those new airships I did a Raleigh, I had put together a new air check just to be ready. He said, do you have anything else you can let me hear? I said, absolutely. I sent him a new air check immediately. So boom, I sent him that. They was like, yo, we like it. Uh, then they got me on the phone. I did a phone interview with a couple of different people in Chicago. And then they were like, the next step is we'll bring you out for an interview. So I had to fly out to Chicago, and I did an interview with, like, it was the most grueling interview ever. It was in front of like six people. It was like the PD, the APD. It was like the general manager, the regional vice president. It was just all of these different people. Like we're all out at dinner and they're just grilling me with a bunch of questions. Uh, so I, I made it through that and I felt good because at the end, one lady was like, she was like, uh, they had it. They were getting me a car to go back to the airport. She was like, well, they must have liked you because they could have just sent you back to the airport on the, in the taxi or something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I felt, <laughs> so I felt like the interview I felt like the interview did well. I felt like it handled myself well. I felt like I killed it. And I uh, also had that experience from the inter- from the weekend I did in Cleveland, because I think I bombed the interview with the Cleveland audition. I was just too nervous. Everything was new to me. I wasn't really ready in Cleveland. But having that Cleveland experience, and having everything else in Raleigh, and and all of that kind of stuff, by the time I had went to Chicago for that interview, I was, I was ready. I was good. Right. The so bull. I get back to Greensboro after the, uh, after the Chicago interview, and my man calls me from Kansas City. He's like, "Look, man. He's like, you know, we want you here. Uh, he's like, but." You know, I do have to make a decision by a certain time, blah, blah, blah. He was like, you know, I need to know. Even if He's like, I need an answer from you, yes or no. I thought the interview went good in Chicago. So I was just kind of like, I was like, yo, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I interviewed in Chicago, and I can't give you a yes without knowing how it went. <clears throat> right? Right. So he was like he was like no problem he's like i respect it you know chicago is a major market but at the same time i got to move on uh so i wish you the best of luck i was like i appreciate it so i turned down kansas city not even really knowing if i got the job in chicago smart though and then, uh, yeah so then i say i just had my fingers crossed man and they're like maybe two weeks later they were like yo congratulations we want to make you an official offer and that was december of 2014 which is about six months after i let go and I had to report to Chicago in January. Mm, nice. So that's how my little transition, because I know all this started with how to transition from, like, you know, you getting let go to landing in Chicago. So it was kind of all of those little things in the mix of so that. But I, I started, you know, like I said, sending my stuff out before I got let go because I saw the writing on the wall. But then I was very active, you know, during that time as well.
0: Did you, um, now, your tenure in Chicago, like I know um like during the morning show uh here I know that the the cast of characters around you changed a few times, you know, slightly. And um well, no, nah, not slightly, I guess a lot, you know. So you, you had different people in there. Was your was your tenure in Chicago Consistent. Did you have the same group the whole time you were there?
1: Yeah, no, it was the same same three of us. Yeah. The only thing that came twice was our producer, but in terms of our on air morning show, it was just me, Kendra, and Leon the whole time.
0: Nice, mm-hmm. nice. Did you enjoy
1: it? I did, man. I love Chicago. Uh I'm absolutely in love with the city of Chicago. So
2: Yeah, I visited yeah, more-
0: once. I visited Chicago one time and I I loved it too, man. I thought it was an awesome place.
2: My favorite city. Yeah, bro. Yeah, it's, and you,
0: it's in one. It's one of my up. top favorite. One of my top cities now too, man. It yeah, and awesome. you didn't even
1: get a chance to. I don't know what you got a chance to get into CL, but uh, Cap, like you, you didn't even really get to get into much.
0: Nah, nah, there's I was.
1: So much, I, I so much more, bro.
2: Like being a local. In Chicago. Right. And, you know, yeah. people give um, Kanye a lot of flack. And from my time in Chicago, I said, this dude is a Chicago person. Like, th- he acts just like the people that I was associated with in Chicago. Like, it's no different. Blunt, yeah. speak their minds, and is always looking for the uh, the creative side of people. Like, the first time I remember going to, like, one of those customized sneaker stores in Chicago, I had never seen nothing like this before. And they would just customize everything.
3: Mm. And
2: Chicago don't get enough, um, I guess, recognition for the the creativity of the city.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, bro, because when you live there and you... You have to kind of live there to see the influence on the rest of the country, right? Because if you if you never been there and all of these things that are taking place around the rest of the country, you won't even know it came from Chicago. Absolutely. Even even little dumb stuff like I know it's old now, but even little stupid stuff like you know the word sock. they're like, no, that came from Chicago. And <laughs> now everybody around now everybody around the country is saying "goofy." Well, that's a right. Chicago slang and tweaking. You know, tweaking oh yeah you tweaking g all All, all that bro joe but when you live there you see it but if you've never been there before you don't really know and i tell people that all the time like when i was there i used to explain to them i said listen if you've never been to chicago you know all of us that grew up on the east coast we it's like different cities have identities right
3: Mm -hmm. whether
1: or not you've been to new york you know what the identity of new york is whether or not you've been to miami you know what the identity of Chicago is. Mm-hmm. Growing up, at least for me, growing up on the East Coast, I didn't know what the identity of Chicago was. I just knew it was a big city, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. right? And then you found out, right? Yes, right. Absolutely, yeah. indeed, yeah. man. So, so after eight years in Chicago, how does this opportunity come up for the morning hustle? Because is like. You know, just me as an outsider sitting here watching, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man, Kyle, Kyle's on the way to Chicago. That's a big move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And Chicago gives you millions of listeners right there in one area. Right, But it's right. not quite the same as syndication. Mm-hmm. Syndication right. gives you even more listeners in every large city across the country pretty much. So yeah. so, how do you, how do you make that transition? Is it something that that you said to yourself? I, but I know that even when we were working together on the on the morning show back in the day, you always mentioned syndication.
1: I know I always wanted it. Right? It's kind of crazy how it comes into play. Um, and even though in this situation, it was kind of crazy. Basically, I was having a long story short, I was having a contract dispute in Chicago, and um, my con- it's another one of those situations where my contract was up. And, um, my contract was up. I was down to my last you know six months, four months, and they did make an offer um, but I was just like, nah, and, you know, at the end of the day, like I just felt like I've been here eight years, and they wasn't really wasn't offer me you know money, you know what I'm saying? It was kind of like, I don't know if it's because everybody's coming off of COVID. and it was all it almost felt like they was like, well, you know. You'd be happy everybody still got a job type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I was just like, you know, I was like, I just can't accept it. I was just like, nah, man, like, I can't do it. Like, if I got to figure out a way uh, to pay my bills with this with this street money, then I'll just do that. Because mind you, you know, after eight years, man, I had, I had very much a, a, a large presence in the nightclub community. Like, I had two weekly parties. I had two monthly brunches. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I was outside. So I was just like, I'm not signing that contract. So if I gotta, if I gotta pay my bills with the street money, it'll just have to be that. So I figure something out. Um, so I was just holding out. I was just holding out on the contract, and I was down to maybe my last two or three days, on my contract. And then I got a call about the morning hustle, and it was, well, you know, first the call was like, "Hey, what's going on with you? How's everything going?" Now I don't know if that person had heard that I was holding out or what I was going through, um, but. I was like, "Yo, it's funny that you called because here's what I'm going through right now." And they were like, "Oh, really?" Because we might have an opportunity for this and the third. I was like, "Well, let's talk." You know what I'm saying? And then, uh, so, so
0: this was, just- so this was more coincidence than than something that you put together ahead of time, saying, "I'm going after this." It kind of came.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, very much so because a couple of things, man. Like a lot of times with these contracts. You're not even allowed to talk to other companies, and I'll just speak from my own personal experience my previous contracts with um these different radio countries uh, countries different radio companies you can't even talk to other companies until maybe your last 30 days of your contract right
0: right who who so, own gCI before you before you get deeper who who's the owner I of Heart. oh that's our station okay, gotcha
1: yeah iheart station. So yeah, so there was no like me planning on this and none of that because I wasn't even in a position to talk to any other companies until the last thirty days of my contract. You feel what I'm saying? Now, if I'd had resigned prior to that, I would have never been in the position to talk to anybody else because I'd have been right back under a new contract. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, so me holding out allowed me to be in a position to even have that conversation. Oh, wow. Because if I would have signed, I would have been probably disgruntled. Because mm-hmm. I would have been felt like I was signing because, for whatever reason, you know what I mean, feeling like I wasn't getting what I was supposed to get. You know what I mean. And let's say I got that call about the morning hustle after I had signed, it would have been nothing I could do. I'd have been like, "Oh, I just resigned this new contract, so I can't even." I wouldn't even have been able to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So luckily, you know, I kind of was like kind of standing on (laughs) what my man King say standing on business (laughs) standing on business
2: (laughs) not standing on
1: business yeah luckily I was you know standing on that like nah I'm not signing that contract because if I hadn't done that I wouldn't even have been able to uh, entertain or even accept the morning hustle position
2: well Google says WGCI offer you 10 million but the morning hustle offer you 20 and that's why you left (laughs) I mean, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I wish the numbers were like that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, But, but yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, but then also you got to look at it the other way too. Like Captain said, I've always wanted to be in a syndicated position. Yeah. Then you got to factor that part into it.
0: Yeah. We talked, we talked about that a lot back in the day. Like,
1: mm-hmm. cause I always you know. felt like we could, man. Like,
0: yeah, we could have, we could have been the morning hustle dog on it.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree. Because you got to remember, like, we were together and we were making waves the same time they started the Breakfast Club, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, and it's no knock to the Breakfast Club because I'm cool with those guys too, but I always felt like we could compete, you know what I'm saying? And I just felt like the only reason, well, now I feel like I'm in the business, so I, I feel like there's a lot of different reasons, but we were never in a position to be syndicated, you know what I'm saying? At the time when the company was just intercom, we were the only hip-hop station. So who are they going to syndicate us on? That's number one. They didn't have any other radio stations to syndicate us on. Um, And then number two, like, you know, most people weren't looking to syndicate shows out of North Carolina, you know? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. True, true. Now, just to skip back for a moment, there were some things that we did during our tenure on the morning show that, to me, have since been pushed out of the the um the arena of morning radio. Like I think we <laughs> took we took a lot of risks. We did a lot of um we pushed the envelope a lot. Yeah. And, I agree. And I don't I don't hear anybody, it's not just us, I don't hear anybody pushing it to that extent anymore. But you yeah. know, and you you know what I'm talking about. I can think of a bunch of stuff like like we were almost shock jocks sometimes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yo, Cap. Yo, for everybody listening right now, yo, Cap J had a a a lady bite off his toenails for tickets to Super Jam. (laughs) 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 Yo, she chewed off your toenails to sit in the front row, Super Jam. That's crazy.
0: And and when I tell you that my like, first of all, let me let me preface this whole. It's three. Let me let me preface this by saying, since then, I fixed my feet. This is before the fix. This is this is when toenails look, you know, crusty and disgusting.
2: Oh my god! But now,
0: now they they look like fingernails down there. You know, I took I took the antifungal medicine for like it took like six months. God. And for for all of that to to pass through, and I got pretty feet now, but back then, okay. and and that you just don't see that anymore. Like you know, there's yeah. there's footage up right now of, of us throwing water balloons at people in the yeah. <laughs> freaking cold. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a there's a girl walking around with all of our names tattooed across her back, and I don't mean little letters. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, big yeah. old fat letters. Right, right.
1: Yeah, it is, man. It you is. know,
0: and yeah, and the prank phone calls and all that stuff. You just don't hear this stuff right, or see this stuff happening in the morning show arena like it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, we, we,
2: we. Like this yeah. kid, I heard um, you and dot do um crack. How crack right. help you lose weight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the crack diet. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> you're right, man. I mean, it's funny. too. I mean, the industry has changed so much. I think the first time I remember that it was going to change was, I don't know if you remember this, man. It was a woman. I don't know what city she was in or whatever but it was a radio bit going wrong, and she died because she drank too much water. Too before. much water. I about that.
0: And I, I'm i going to say that was the, the beginning of the end, too.
1: That was the beginning of the end, bro. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. the beginning of the end right there because now everybody's worried about liability.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. But we definitely uh, took advantage of, of the time period before there was all this oversight.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, definitely, I totally agree.
0: Yeah, yeah, we push it as far as you could take it. Yeah, <laughs> <I agree. laughs> yeah I man. Agree. Yeah, that gets yeah, it was, yeah, it was. So, all right, the morning hustle. Having like being being here in Raleigh and having heard the show prior to your coming to it, I have to say, man, you were exactly what that show needed. Right, appreciate that. You know, Thanks. like like seriously, you um. I think I think it's the perfect fit for you, man. Thank you. You know, definitely, yeah. definitely. You brought you bring a lot to the show, and and I listen.
2: I, I have one question about the morning hustle, and I was talking to some guys at work uh, about this. Um, yeah. What is it? The the cash grab or yep. the, the? I I've yet to hear a man doing the the ten questions.
1: Oh no! This dude's on there all the time
2: okay well, you be missing it yeah, we miss it, we miss <laughs> it. you know we yeah, miss nah,
1: it no i guess i guess you just missed it because we definitely have dudes doing it
2: okay so i'm probably gonna text in the morning just so you know <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah yeah no doubt give it a shot it's dope
2: yeah how how was that transition you know going from uh like you said wgci that's regionally to that National Syndicated show and working with L'Oreal and coming in so quickly after um, the previous guest left, I mean, the host left. How, how was yeah. that?
1: Um, I think the radio part of it is the easiest part. Um, anytime these, you know, this is my second time now since I left jams and went to Chicago to Chicago, so more to hustle. The more, diff- I won't even say difficult part, but the, the part that takes some getting used to is You have to learn different people, different companies, different protocol, how people do things differently. You know, it might be different than what you're used to. Now you're working with different people who have different habits. Mm -hmm. So it's more all of that kind of stuff than it is the actual part on the air for me. Um, You know what I'm saying? Like when I got the, I'll give you a perfect example. When I got the GCI, I compared everything to 102 James. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So now... And now in the morning hustle, like now I have all the back knowledge of one jams and WGCI, you know what I mean. So I can, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, y'all do stuff like this. Well, when we was at DCI, we did it like that. Or we was one of the jams, we did it like that. So it's more the behind the scenes, getting to know how the company operates and how people operate. That takes a little bit more time, I think, for me at this point than just actually. Uh, you know being on an airport at this point feels a little bit more natural um the cool part is you know what i'm saying being at greensboro it's like yo where you calling from oh, i'm calling from high point i'm calling from winston i'm calling from burlington you know in chicago's so i'm calling from the south side i'm calling from the west side or one of the suburbs
0: mm-hmm. you know now
1: it's like oh i'm calling from dc i'm calling from oklahoma city i'm calling from detroit like I really enjoy that part. Like, that's kind of cool to hear people calling in from different cities. Like that, that's dope to me.
0: Right. That's dope to me. So, so tell me this, the dynamic in the room. Like, I know that during that time we worked together, I feel like, like being in a room for four hours with, with people, they become your family almost. Have you, have you found that to be your experience across the board? Like you spend this time, like you spent eight years in the same room with these people for at least at a minimum of four hours a day. (laughs) Yeah. Like do they, they become a second family for you everywhere you go?
1: I think so. I think so. I literally uh, was in Chicago this weekend and uh, you know, Leon Kendra's in LA now, so I don't see hers often, but I go to Chicago pretty frequently. Um, So, you know, I was just in the club with, you know, Leon over the weekend, you know what I'm saying? And we were just talking and, blah blah blah, like, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Like, you know, you have that's what's kinda dope for me. Like it's kinda like I have all these different cities that I can go to that I have a network of people in at this point. Right. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's you know, whether it's back in Philadelphia and I have my my family members there. Whether it's in, you know, franklinville South Jersey, I have all the people that I went to high school with there. You know what I'm saying? Um North Carolina, everybody from Winston-Salem State to 102 Jams, you know what I'm saying? There. Um, you know, Chicago, I got eight years of, of people there that are the homies now. And then now I'm building, because the Morning Hustle, we, you know, we're out of Atlanta. So now I'm building that in Atlanta. And then even with some of the other radio stations, like, so um, just like we're on K-97-5, um, so I got, you know, I got a chance to come to Dreamville kind of, you know, even if it's not as deep and I'm not with those people all the time, but I've established at least a base relationship with, you know, the family at K ninety seven five and the kid the family at uh at KYS ninety three point nine in DC. You know what I mean? So I'm starting to have like these little pockets of people that, you know, I can rock with regardless of what city I'm in. And I think that's pretty dope, like just kind of having that network.
0: Right. It's and it's it's future security too. Yeah. For sure, you know. For sure, yeah. So no matter what happens, you know, having a network mm-hmm. across the country, right? Now yeah. your name, your name is gonna ring bells. Now you know, used to ring bells in North Carolina, Philly, Jersey, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. your name ring bells all over the country. Now,
2: right,
1: bro. Like I, I love it, man. I, and I just want, I you know, one of the goals is try to try to visit all of these different cities. That the show is on Like I want to I want to go to Oklahoma City I ain't never been there mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying Like I want to I want to go And you know Because people are here They hear us every day But I ain't never even been there Right like, I gotta go right. I, gotta, I gotta You know Hey you
0: know? that might be something Y'all need to do You remember how Tom Joyner Used to hit them parties Do those uh, parties All over the country
1: Right Bro That's already on my, I already got that In my, <laughs> my, my, my little My little gold My gold sheet Or whatever You know what I
2: mean
0: Hey that's what's up man So,
2: so with all this success um, we did a, a, a previous show about sacrifices that people make um, with some of the sacrifices you've had to make. And I, I heard you mention about like you left your family in Chicago to go to Atlanta. Like what, what are some yeah. of the sacrifices that you had to make to, you know, ensure this success? Um,
1: that's a perfect example. You know what I mean? Just like that. Uh, even when, for me it's on some level it's always been distance from family. Like maybe not my you know, my wife and kids, like right now when I'm working in Atlanta, I'm away from them. Um, but even on the years I spent in North Carolina, like I have to some people have the luxury of if you live anywhere remotely close to your hometown, you can just go home whenever, right? Mm-hmm. So even when I was in Greensboro, if I wanted to go you know, visit my mom and dad or visit my grandmother. I got to take vacation days. So now I'm using my vacation days just to do stuff that everybody else just gets to do with their family, whatever they want
0: on the weekend. Right.
1: You know what I'm saying? Like I got to plan trips to go home just to see people that I don't get to see every week. So like, that's definitely a big deal. Um, um, and I, you know, other than that, that's probably been the biggest thing. Um, in terms of, like, sacrifices, it's been time away from, like, loved ones because you're kind of, like, grinding it out wherever you are with your family. Even in Chicago, like, it turned out, So even when I was in North Carolina, you know, my wife's family is from North Carolina, so it wasn't too bad that because her, you know, my sister-in-law lived right up the street, you know what I mean? My in-laws were, like, two hours away, but when we were in Chicago, now it's kind of like, all right, well, who are we going to visit? Because, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know Right. I mean? ADL. Yeah, it, it was Kyle's wife is from,
0: from Nash County, son. 252. Five, 252. Five, okay. Yes, two, indeed. Okay.
2: Rocky, yes, Rocky Mountain, senior
0: high. He married oh. well. Oh, okay. Yes, he did.
2: <laughs> that explains the <this laughs> success, right?
0: <laughs> that explains yeah, the yeah. success. You got 252 two on me in your corner.
2: Okay, okay. <laughs> two, five, Salute.
0: Two, yeah. I was just in Rocky Mountain last weekend, DJ. Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Rocky Mountain, senior high, yo.
2: Right, yeah, that's dope. Boy. That's dope. Yeah, yeah. Carolina so, influence yeah, go too. deep.
1: Yeah, for sure. So that's some of the sacrifices, man. It's kind of like not necessarily always having the opportunity to be around everybody I might have wanted to. Once I, especially once I left left Jersey.
0: And, and and just for one minute, while we're on the subject, talk about the importance of having the support of your wife. You know, I've been there, and and you know if if opportunities come up, the woman in your life can make it hard or she can make it easier.
1: oh absolutely, bro like <clears throat> um shoot, man, being in north carolina was was easy, like I said because her family was close, you know what I mean right uh, uh but when we when we had to leave to go to Chicago, like that was a big deal that was a big deal like so now, like I said a second ago, now, not only are we far from my family, we're far from her family as well. And, uh, you know, I, I know her family didn't take that well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know they didn't take it well. But, you know, uh, she was you always You took our down baby
0: all the way to Chicago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yo,
1: exactly. You already know. Um, but, you know, she was always down for it. And even with this situation uh, with the morning hustle, you know, I had conversations with her. Like, look, she she was there every step in terms of, all right, well, here's what they're offering me in Chicago and here's how we feel about that. What's your thoughts on it? And bum, bum, bum. And then, you know, the morning hustle like, look, you know, this, this, this job, you know, I got to travel to Atlanta and you know what I mean? So I knew it was good when she was like, um, I was like, you think this is the right decision? She was like, it ain't the wrong one. I said, say no more.
0: Yeah. Say no more. <laughs> say no more. When we went to, yeah. um, my wife and I went to Chicago on our anniversary trip. And I was saying to myself, Man, I would come to Chicago right after Kyle, get a job somewhere else. Bro. You know. And I've been telling y'all to come the whole time. I know, that was the plan. And then we get there and and my wife reaches out to your wife. And and she came through like that first day and I was just talking to her. And man, she's she's an absolute trooper, man. Shout out to Shonda, man, because she's she's like, yo, I'm just holding it down, you know.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Couldn't
0: yep. do it without him. Yep, indeed, man. So so I wanted to say, you know, before at some point before we get out of here, I just want to make sure I say, hey, man, you deserve all of this, and I'm proud of you.
1: Appreciate that, man. Thank you, man. It means a lot. It really does.
0: You know, a lot of people come and go. But yeah. this man has work ethic, people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were, you know, he's the first one to show up, last one to leave. And I know you hear that about a lot of people who become successful. You know, they, they show up first, and the last one is out the door. Mm-hmm. That's what Kyle Santillion yeah. is. No, yeah. Nah, I appreciate it. Best you dope. know? So, yeah. all right, now I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. <clears throat> okay. Best times, worst times. So just just ponder a little bit, you know what I'm saying, and and just man, give me a yeah, few moments.
1: Man, um, say what? The worst times is the worst times is way easier than the best times because there's a lot of good times.
0: All right well, what's the what's the worst times?
1: The worst time was getting let go from jail.
0: That was the worst. Okay.
1: Kid, you know, and let me tell you something. Here's what's interesting about that. Here's why. that here's what, another reason why that was the worst time and it was compounded more than any other thing. Like me getting let go from jams. Not only did I get let go from one or two jams, you know, that's the only time in my entire life that I've ever gotten fired and let go from any job.
0: Hey, it, join the club. Me too, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know what that's right. like. Like, I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. What, what is this? <laughs> what, what happened? You know,
2: I think B dot said you didn't say goodbye.
0: Not b said he he came out of the, one day and he said Kyle's driving off. Yeah. And I was like, "Well, that's weird." You know what I'm saying? He said cuz we used to chop it up a little bit. And they right. said, "You know, he's just gone." And Brown's like, "Ah, yeah, that was Kyle's <laughs> it was Kyle's last day." It was like, right. you know, b dot said he took that kind of hard, you know. Mhm.
1: Man, yeah, that that day was uh that was a sad day, man, getting pulled to that to that office. Well, well,
0: tell tell everybody how y'all huddled up and cried when I left <laughs> when, when, when they sent me home. <laughs> Yo, I don't, I don't.
1: To be honest, I don't remember the details, Cap.
2: I really don't remember the details.
0: I don't. I man, I to this day, I still, I have no idea. But I can only, um, you everybody know.
2: Everybody keep drawing a blank when I ask that question. Why did yeah. they let Cap go? I, Nobody I, says. No,
0: I still, I still don't know.
2: I know you don't know. I'm, I'm asking him.
0: No, nah, he he don't know either. That's thing. I don't know either. I,
2: don't, <laughs> I really don't know. I remember,
1: I do remember, I feel like during that period, just in general, I remember feeling like you were frustrated a lot, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, it was tough. Like, I was, that period of time was, just had a baby, just got married, mm. yeah. doing this, and I'm still working the other job, too. hmm. yeah. Yeah, so so my plate. I
1: remember you being frustrated. I remember one morning you punched the ceiling. I remember that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that too. <laughs> but you know what I did though? I went and bought a replacement tile and put it back.
2: <laughs> oh, why
0: he punched the ceiling? Hold on. Now we get into the teeth. I
1: don't know. frustrated <laughs> I, about something. It yeah.
0: was it was everyday foolishness catching up. Yeah. Mm. Everyday foolishness. So, yeah. so, you know, that, that time, yeah, that time I needed a Yeah. I think I needed a break, man. Yeah. Maybe
2: you know, be, but, maybe.
0: but I think for me, for me, I'm a DJ and you know what I, like my, my purpose in radio is the music first. Mm-hmm. Right. So I came to radio to be a part of the music. Not a part of the radio industry, not a, a host. I came to to play the music that people want to hear. Mm-hmm. And by moving from the mix shows to the morning show, I got too far out of my element. All of a sudden I'm doing a job that's taking me out of the clubs. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I'm just not reaching my core audience like I like I used to. Like people, you know, it took me a while to figure out. Like people listen to the morning show, don't do Friday nights and Saturday nights mm-hmm. like that. Yo,
1: you know what's L cap about that? Is truth be told, man. Like even even with all the success, so to speak, and all the excuse me, all the fun that we had, when you go from doing nights, and you know, your kids going from doing weekend mix shows, I feel that because. I always felt like I gave up something of myself to go to mornings.
0: Yeah, yeah, you give up a big piece of yourself, and it was um. Yeah. And after, you know, we were in there for four years, and after three, four years, it it, it's like man, like that part of me was my favorite part of me.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Me too. Me
0: too, y'all. Yo. Mm. You me know that it, was that was
1: that's what, that's where the part, the the thing that kept that part of me alive was probably like hosting in the clubs since
0: I wasn't doing it on the radio. You know what I mean? Right, right. And and every now and then we'll get together and, you know, we'll do a party on Saturday night, all of us together. Mm-hmm. And those were great times. Right. Yeah. But that's Saturday night. I used to do this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. sometimes Sunday Maybe a Monday and a Wednesday. Right. Yeah. And and it was just, you know, I felt like I had stepped too far away from, from my core. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? No, I don't. And I, man, and I really, totally I really missed that a lot. But, and then I think the extra frustration, getting married and having a kid during that time period where I'm already feeling like I'm separated from the thing that made me capital J. Right. I just took two more steps away from it. Right.
2: Right. Right. You know, nah, so I now
0: know. I went to this morning show, and instead of going to sleep at 5, I'm waking up at 5. What is this? <laughs> 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 you know right. what I'm saying? And then, and then, you know, married with a kid, it's like all that stuff happened, and I felt like – um here goes the the strangest thing. Like, I was sleep deprived for the entire time. Yeah. Yep. I, I was operating on two and three hours of sleep for the entire time that I was there. Right. Mm-hmm. And after um after it ended, I remember it took me about a month to stop just popping up at five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> right. and like oh, I ain't got nowhere to go. Right. Yeah. And... Eventually, I felt myself come back, and I realized that being deprived of sleep, mm-hmm. you are not yourself.
2: Absolutely not. Right. Right.
0: And that person, I like, I don't even recognize that person during that time period because that's not the normal everyday me. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I yep. became me again. Right. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. So Cal, um, In- talking about that. In-
1: but before you move off that point it's interesting because that six month period where I was unemployed mm-hmm. that's it's really weird how different that was because that's the only six months that i haven't been up at 5 a.m since 2003 wow
0: right it was different yeah. right
1: it was definitely different bro it's like if you feel like really do feel like it's
0: like everything closed down. I think. Yeah, yeah, but all of a sudden I'm getting eight hours of sleep, yeah. and and I realize like you know, I don't know. I just realized that yeah, sleep deprivation changes you, right? Yeah, and you don't even you don't even realize it, and because yeah. like during this time I'm still working working my full time job. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't right. finish that until like one o'clock, sometimes one thirty in the morning. It's time to get right back up as soon as you go to sleep. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But um, but if I had to do it over again, I'd do it all over again and do it better.
3: Yep.
2: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 leads me to my two part question. Um, how do you prepare uh for this? syndicated show because it's, you're on center stage now and then how do you mentally um i guess cope with it like what do you do to cope with it because it's so uh, demanding
1: um, it's, it's a little different now man since leaving jams and they go to chicago and even coming here um jams to go to what kat was saying earlier like i had to handle a lot of responsibility at jams and what I realized is that when you get to the different markets, you don't have to do all of that. You don't time. have to Everybody do all that. Right. Have a, like, I haven't run the board for a morning show since I left James. Hmm. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, we do, sir. Back then, too, like, we had to get there early and then print out the show prep and go through it in the morning. Well, now, for the most part, show prep is on your Instagram 24 hours around the clock, so. Let's say me and Cap are doing a show, if something comes across my feed, I can look at it, share it with him, boom, boom, boom. So when we get to work tomorrow, we kinda already know, Oh yeah, we gotta talk about that thing. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right. I didn't even think about the social media aspect, like all that stuff that that we would look over and try to figure out where we're gonna go the direction of the show for the day. You don't have to right. you don't have to wait on that anymore.
1: Right. Everything is instant now. So like it's kinda like a continuous thing because, you know, everybody's on their phones and stuff anyway. So now I could, you know, I could shoot two or three things in a group text and somebody else might send two or three things in a group text and boom, boom, boom. By the time we get to work, we already got a list of stuff to touch on. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of where and when, you know? right? Um, So it's a little different in that that regard. So I don't have to run the board. I don't got to edit the phone calls. Most days, some days I do, but most days I don't have to do all of that. You know, literally these days since I left Jams, it's you know, me sitting in front of a microphone and everybody else is doing, you know, their jobs as well. So that oh. part it's really weird though, because I kinda miss running everything by myself.
0: Oh, and and people who don't understand. This man's a master at editing phone calls. We would get off the phone with forty five seconds left in in the in a song. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Damn, prep it. Oh man, it'd be ready to go. Right. And you then know, we'll I seamlessly to... transition into the phone call right out of the conversation. Like, it's <laughs> right. an art form. It's art form that you guys don't know that, that this is a major artist in the art form right here. Kyle is a yeah. master of the I art of to. radio. Mm-hmm. It's just ill
1: that I haven't, but I haven't had to do that to that extent. I haven't had to do that since 2014. And it's really weird because I actually kind of miss that.
0: Right, right. It kept you on your toes, that's for sure.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Like, you got to the point when I first got to Chicago and I was trying to get used to that, I was kind of like, wait, so you just want me to sit here and just talk when it's my turn? Like, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> that's, it? <laughs> yeah. that's it? Yeah. it? It felt weird. Um, but the other part of your question, CL, man, just like, um, you know, getting up in the morning, I think at this point, uh, been doing it so long it's like an automatic switch like you wake up fucking bang back a cup of coffee and the switch goes on you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and then afterwards you might sit down like I I came back to the crib today the after work and I, I definitely had to crash for like an hour and a half but um, in the moment you know the switch just goes on and you're on and you're ready to go and
0: you know keep it moving indeed man yeah so so what do you see like where where do you see the future of your career going? Like what do you want to happen next?
1: Um, what I want to happen next is I mean, I'm still I'm you know, just, the morning hustle is fairly new. So I wanna, you know, maximize this as much as possible. I want us to have growth in the cities that we're in, maybe pick up some more cities that we're not in. Um, you mentioned about, you know, like the time zone or bus and all of that. Like, I definitely want to do that. I definitely want to have, um, I, I'll for lack of a better term, a Morning Hustle tour, visit all the different cities and have events in all of these different cities. Like, you know what I mean? And eventually, um, you know, eventually transition into the, I guess, the older format, you know, maybe in a couple of years, maybe slide into that classic hip-hop format, because I always felt like that's kind of like my lane anyway. Um, so the transition into that would be would be perfect, and uh, just keep it going, man. When I, when I look now, like, and I look back, and, you know, even before I was really all the way into radio like that, but I look back now, and I see the stuff that Tom Joyner was doing, ain't nobody doing that stuff no more. Right, right. Like, He's the he's really the go to this, you know what I'm saying? So, shout out to him. And, um, I think Ricky Smiley is probably the closest one. Ricky Smiley is also part of the same company that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. Um, so like follow that time Joiner, I'll even say Ricky Smiley lane and try to build it out. Like, I think that's
0: that's the goal, right? That's the goal, right? Yeah, for sure. Right, yeah, the, the original syndicator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying?
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, I I found out they used to call him the fly jock because before he was syndicated, he used to do yeah. one show in one city. I think it was in Texas somewhere, and then fly to Chicago. It
1: was Chicago and a,
0: Dallas. Chicago and Dallas. He would get on the plane and fly to Chicago and do a show in Chicago. Wow.
1: Every day, dog. He would do the night show or the afternoon show or night show in Chicago and do a morning show in Dallas every day
0: before syndication. Wow. That's crazy. Right.
1: Yeah, that's why he got the term the fly, Jack. Tell me that ain't wild.
0: Hey, but you know, hey, that, that, that goes back to work ethic. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, I hope y'all learned something. If you want to get anywhere, you got to go get it. So, yeah, you know, you if gotta, you get yeah, it, yeah, if you got a, if you get a foot in the door, Right. You know, you got to kick it open and and explore yeah. all the rooms in the building. Mm-hmm.
2: Be prepared for those sacrifices.
0: Yep. Yep. For sure. Yep. So, Kyle, without further ado, man, we're going to bring this thing to a close. In a little bit, I feel like we've been talking for like 10 minutes, but I just look, it's been what? <laughs>
2: hour and 30. Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, we're moving along. Moving along. But never a dull moment in here. Right. Hey, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate you uh, giving us this time. You know what I'm saying? Um,
2: but it's the Negro in me. Um, can we get a shout out <laughs> on, on the morning also?
0: Yeah, yeah. The Capital City Podcast <laughs> shout out. Just say yo, what up?
2: Yeah. tell them about hey, your yeah. interview. That ain't
1: no problem, man. I can shout y'all out. Hey, Absolutely.
0: that's what's up. I'm gonna tell t- you
1: tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, right around like nine forty-five, nine fifty, something
0: like that. Dope. Dope. Hey, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. Hey, when you coming back through this way?
1: Uh, sooner. I'll probably be actually, uh, probably Christmas. Hmm. Okay, I think we're we'll probably through that way for like Christmas with the in laws or whatever. I know that's not necessarily Raleigh, but yeah, that's when I yeah. probably
0: be. A, yeah. yeah, Hey, well, that's what's up, man. Hey, well, um, hey, next year. If um you know when you get ready to throw down and do this old school joint again, I got you, <laughs> yeah, bro. I, need a, I Yo, I told you I need a venue in Raleigh. Hey, I got I got venues everywhere right now, man. Right. I'm I've been uh, dipping around. I've been working on a a, a classic hip hop station. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So so yeah, I'm I'm getting to know this area a little bit differently. I've been been here in Raleigh Durham area for twelve years now. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So.
1: I need to send you out right there, man. I'm definitely trying to get it going. So the plan for 2024 is, needs to go
0: in effect. I told you about that spot I had my birthday party at. Um, I went to a My Adidas party in there during Central Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Owned mm. by the Butter Team. It was mm. dope, man. You got it. Like, I got to show you that spot. In the place again? It's called the Durham Bottling Company.
1: Bottling Company. That's right. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. So I'm I'm a, yeah, I gotta I gotta turn you on to that spot. You know what I'm saying? It's, nice, for sure. it's really my favorite my favorite party venue, man. Is it's it's just comfortable.
2: Yeah, it's a dope spot. Nice vibe. Yep.
0: You can go on upstairs on the rooftop and look at the skyline, the little baby skyline. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: yeah, I like
0: that. Yeah, so so we're gonna link up for sure, man. I I I get you the people you need to talk to about that. But yeah, you know, right. yeah. There's a bunch of other venues too, but that's that's by far my favorite right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all right, cool. Yep. Well, I know you gotta get up early in the morning. Yeah, Right. <laughs> <When they> hustle. <laughs> Mr. Morning no. hustle, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we're not gonna <laughs> hold you too long because I gotta let you get your 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 eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> so so you don't be in there punching tiles out the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh no doubt, man. I definitely appreciate uh man. Thanks for
0: having me on for sure. Hey, you know you rounded out the trifecta now um now we've had you, dot, Di- and F on here. hmm I gotta go back and listen to them
1: episodes, yo. Oh, most
0: definitely, man. Most definitely. Matter of fact, we need to we need to do one together one day. Right. Yeah, that'd, that'd be dope. dope. Yeah, that that'd, that'd be dope. Yes, sir. Yup. For sure. So anything you wanna tell the people before you go, man?
1: Nah, man, um, I guess specifically to North Carolina, man, I, I appreciate everybody, um, you know, that's been that rocking with me since, man, since the beginning of the WSSU 102 Jams days, man, even all the way up to now. It's it's, it's so dope. And it's kind of ill because, you know, it started in Greensboro, but now on in Raleigh and Charlotte, you know, it kind of, I know it's not the entire state, but it's kind of ill. So. Um, I just appreciate all the love, man, and all the support that comes out of the Carolina. So you know, y'all know that's why I got so many homes now. But that was my second one, so I appreciate everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're a homeboy now. You are Carolina homeboy now.
1: Right. Yeah, it's official. Sure.
0: Yeah, you already been through the. You know, you've been through the fire.
1: Yes, sir. You already know.
0: Indeed, you rocked the two. To, you rocked that two to six at some point, so you should be. You know. <laughs> You said what? Yeah, uh, you had a chance to do a two to six at some point. Then you, you, you're you officially a Carolina boy.
3: Yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Santillian of The Morning Hustle, of WC- GCI of 102 Jams, of Winston-Salem State University, of New Jersey, of Philly. Yeah. Mm. Kyle yeah. Santillian.
1: I'm, appreciate y'all, man. DL, Cap, J, man, y'all keep
0: doing y'all thing, man. Thank you. Indeed, man, we appreciate you. It's the Capital City Podcast. I'm your host, Capital J, Longtime, my main man, DL Glass. And you can catch us anywhere you consume your podcast. Anywhere, anywhere. We out here.